The Bible teaches us that the words that we say, the words that come out of our lips, really and truly matter. That with our words, we can speak life or we can speak death. That we can cause people to grow or we can cause destruction. And certainly James gives that message just as much as any other book in the Bible. Uh, We began walking through the book of James several months ago. And as we, um, as we walk through that first chapter, in chapter 1, James said, So, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse 12, James says, So speak as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. In other words, we're not under the law of sin and death, we're under God's grace, so we need to speak in a way that reflects that. In chapter 3, James talked about the uncontrollable tongue, how difficult it is, how much of a struggle all of us have with the words that come out of our mouth. You know, we can't all uh, commit every sin. We're, we're not all physically able or in the right place in the right time, but we all can speak all the sins that you can imagine through our lips. I mean, we're all capable of lying, of, of deceit, of slander, of gossip, of blasphemy, all sorts, and I could go on and on. We can sin more with this little part of our body than with anything else that we have. Multiple sins, and we all do sin. He goes on in chapter 4 and talks about the strife and the wars and the fussing that happens not just among people in the world, but people who call themselves Christians, about those who judge. And of course, we just talked about those who complain against one another. And so today, we're simply going to uh, focus on James' words as he has to as he brings up, as he discusses another aspect, he says, here's one more thing before I go that I want to talk to you about concerning your words and the way that you use your lips. So if you would please stand with me now as we read first, I mean, excuse me, as we read James chapter 5, verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Father, we thank you that you gave us lips so that we can sing and speak your praises, so that we can encourage our brothers and sisters In Christ, so that we can proclaim the words of the gospel to a lost and dying world. Father, how often we fail to use our lips in a way that honors you. We repent of that. And Father, we ask that you would help us to speak life with our words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Probably more so than uh, any uh, 
other year I can remember, I have been more uh, interested, might be one word, uh, in the upcoming presidential elections. Uh, I could use the words appalled. I could use the words entertained. I could use all sorts of words to describe it. And it's, it's funny, I've, I've caught some of, the, uh, some of the debates, certainly not all of them. Uh, they seem to multiply, you know, like rabbits. They're just debate after debate after debate. But uh, I do follow what happens after the reports. And, you know, they say, well, this guy says this person won and this person won. And, and then I, I love uh, the, the truth checkers. You ever see this? They follow up every debate and they judge whether it be the Democrats or the Republicans debating. And they go by and they, um, they judge how truthful uh, these different candidates are. And one of the things that I've noticed, this was very interesting to me, they didn't just say truth and lies. They said truth, mostly truth, truthish, <laughs> and then outright lies. That was how one of them that I read uh, talked about. And the, the sad thing is, is that most of us uh, we've kind of come to the point where we accept that um, maybe the best we might get out of a candidate might be somewhere on that truth-ish level because if you look at after the debates, I, I don't know that there's a one that the fact-checkers haven't come back and s said, uh, there's, there's some stuff they said that doesn't measure up to that highest level of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know, we tend to see that they fall... And, you know, we kind of accept that, and we say, well, it's politicians. That's what politicians do. And so we feel better about ourselves because we're not politicians. That, it, that's those politicians. But, folks, the truth is that it's not just politicians lie. It's people lie. The truth is the Bible says that the devil is the father of all lies. Jesus said that every unbeliever has the devil for his father, that's all of us before we come unto Jesus Christ. But the reality is that even as believers, we don't all of a sudden become completely truthful, but we often fall into what Jesus said comes of the evil one. We often fall, fall into truth-ish or truth-iness or, or kind of sort of truthfulness rather than the truth that God desires for us. Isaiah really, he was a prophet. He was a good man. He loved God. He loved his ministry. He loved his people and all those things. But he didn't really get that. Most of us don't get that. Most of us don't understand how far we drift off because everybody does it. Everybody, you know, uh, let's just say they, they, they build the resume. You know, everybody, everybody does things to, to push to a little side or another, um, the way things went. And, uh, you know, we, we, we often realize that in others. You ever have a friend telling you a story? They're recounting a story. You were there. You remember what happened. And they tell the story, and the first time, it's pretty much like what you remember. And the second time they tell it, it's a little bit different. And before you know it, and it's not just fish stories, right? I mean, it's all sorts of stories and they change, they're altered, depending on who we want to impress and how we want people to think about us. James is um, looking about how we speak, how we live our lives. But we're reminded, like I said, of the prophet Isaiah, 
who really didn't think much about himself, didn't really think that he was all that bad of a guy until all of a sudden he stood in front of the presence of the Lord. And he is overwhelmed. He is overcome by his sin. And we think, he says, woe is me. And we want to say, oh, what did you do, Isaiah? Did you kill somebody? Did you embezzle? Did you have an affair? What was the big thing that you did? And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live in a people of unclean lips. And some of us might be tempted to say, what? You said, woe is me over that. What's the big deal? But in the presence of God, the Almighty, he realized that his unclean lips, his lack of truthfulness, his lack of speaking the gospel and speaking life, all of those things, you can't stand before God and say, no big deal. James comes to us today and he gives us a command. Very interesting command. But above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. He begins by saying, okay, listen up, brothers and sisters, okay? So we know he's talking to Christians. This isn't just something he's trying to talk about those bad old pagan people who don't believe He says, believers in Christ, brothers and sisters, listen up. Above all, (coughs) James is beginning a section here where he's talking about life. He's going to close out his letter, and he's going to talk about relationships and closeness and how we deal with one another uh, in the body of Christ. And he says, above all. In other words, first thing, you need to get this before you get to any of the other stuff about prayer and about healing and about confession and all this other stuff I'm about to say. First off, you need to get this right. In other words, unless you're tempted, if you're tempted to, be say, to say no big deal, what's the, you know, it's just our words. He says, this is up here. This is big stuff. And he gives a command. He says, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Now, in what situations are we tempted to swear? Are we inclined to swear? And by swearing here, we're not using it like the good old-fashioned cussing, you know, saying saying naughty words, saying bad words. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about taking oaths. We are talking about swearing to do something, taking a vow that I will do something. A big promise, we might say. What situations incline us to swearing? Well, first of all, first of all most of us would know that when we go in court, uh, that we are asked to swear to, to the truthfulness of something. Now, there have been Christians over time who have struggled with this uh, because of this verse, and some, in fact, Uh, refuse to on moral grounds. Uh, I would say that um, almost every Christian scholar today would say that's not what James is talking about. He's not saying that you can't do your civic duty in court, and as you're asked to testify, uh, that the judge, that you can't swear in front of him. James is talking about life as a believer, dealing in one-to-one situations with other people, okay? 
So there's that one. But what are the ones where we're really tempted to, to fall into breaking this command? Well, for some of us, um, it could be that um, we've got a bad reputation. We've told lie after lie after lie. And so we are tempted to break this command. We're tempted to say, I swear, I promise, I'm tell- I will do it, and-, and I mean it this time, and-, and to go on and on and on. Because we've told so many lies in the past that people just don't believe us. And all of us have been there. All of us understand that concept. It's why of all the, fable, the fables and story tales, uh, the boy who cried wolf, everybody learns that one. Everybody remembers that because we've all seen it. We know what happens. And so you've been around those type of people that you really can't trust them at all because you know that over and over again they've failed to speak the truth. And so it's, sometimes it's funny. It's those people that do that that are most prone to swear. And you're looking at them like, uh, no, I don't believe you. And, and so then they're like, I swear, man, I promise, I, I, I really mean it. So people are tempted to swear because of that, because they've lied so much in the past. Other people are tempted to swear uh, because they use it as a means to get around truth. It's not just their past of lying that's held them up. But right now, in this very moment, they intend to lie, bold-faced, but they want to be believed, and they think if they swear, that they'll get away with it. Uh, There was a lot of this going on in James' day, in Jesus' day, in the days of the Bible. And uh, notice that that, uh, James here, and by the way, Jesus has an almost identical... Uh, passage in uh, Matthew chapter 5. You can read, and Jesus says some of the very same things. And they both talk about don't swear by heaven. Why do they have to say that? Well, in the Old Testament, uh, oaths were allowed. But it was a very, very serious thing. Because when you made an oath, you swore to God himself. You would say, I swear by God in heaven, by Jehovah God, that I will do this thing. So it wasn't something that people took lightly because in the Old Testament, uh, there were often prescribed, um, uh, it it was often said, it was often warned against that if you broke a vow to God, that you would not go unpunished, that there were some really bad things gonna happen to you. And so the Jewish people, they had enough respect for God that they got away from saying, I swear to God. Because they thought, well, God will really zap me. He'll really get me if I swear to him. But if I plan to lie, and I don't say I swear to God, but what if I say, I swear by heaven? What if I say, I swear by the synagogue? What if I say, I swear by my ancestor? Or something else that should, you know, I swear on my mother's grave. Well, I can lie like that, and I can get away with it. And so that had become a very uh, a pattern in Jewish life. You couldn't get someone to swear to God, and they would say, well, oh, I, you know, I don't like to do that. I respect God, and so I'm not going to use his name, but I'll swear by heaven. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I've never come across anybody trying to say they swear by heaven. You know, that's not something that we necessarily do right now. But you know what we do uh, often hear and see and perhaps do ourselves is that we speak technical truth, right? Wait a minute, you said, well, technically speaking, that was true what I said. Well, wait a minute, you didn't give me the whole story. Well, I, you know. That kind of goes back to the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We get into patterns in our lives of saying, well, technically, uh, I didn't really lie. I mean, what I said, that little section of it wasn't a lie, so I'm, I'm feeling okay about myself. But we, we know, we have no doubt about what we left out and about the impression we've left, and we have done it with intent to deceive. And that would fall under the same thing that James is preaching against. One other reason that we're tempted to make oaths is when we're really, really in a bind. When our marriage is on the rocks, when we're in the foxhole under heavy fire, when our whole financial situation is falling apart, when a physical ailment or illness seems to be unstoppable, It is in those times maybe a child is suffering, and we pray and we say, God, I promise you, God, I swear, if you'll only heal my child, God, if you'll only keep me safe, Lord, if you'll only keep my marriage together, then I will fill in the blank. I'll stop this sin. I'll start giving. I'll start doing this for you. God, I'll do whatever you want. And we're tempted at that point, to make oaths to God. But you and I, we've been around long enough to know that those vows taken in the heat of battle, somehow our memory gets a little fuzzy as time goes on. When things get better, when God comes through and does what we begged and pleaded for him to do, Somehow it's hard to remember exactly what we said. Well, did I really mean it that way? Well, God understands. And the Bible would tell us over and over again that what we say to God is very serious. Vows that are sworn to him should not be taken lightly. And James basically says, for all these reasons, whatever, whatever your motivation is, like we said I don't believe, and most scholars don't believe, he had anything to do with the courtroom setting, okay? But in our lives, when we're trying to manipulate God, when we're in a mess, when we're purposefully trying to tell lies, when we're trying to get out of the own mess we got ourselves into because of our previous uh, uh, deception, James says it doesn't matter what your reasoning is. You best avoid swearing. What in the world do we do? How do we show, how do we prove our truthfulness if, we, if we're not going to go around swearing? He and Jesus prescribed the exact same uh, fix. They said, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, your word is your bond. When you said, I'll do it, that's it. And you say, well, people won't believe me. They won't, you know, how are they going to believe me? How are they going to understand that I'm telling the truth? Keep telling the truth. 
Because the longer your yes is yes and your no is no, you build a reputation. And people understand that when you say, I will do it, you're not going to come back later and say, oh, my fingers were crossed. It didn't count, you know. We learn that early as kids, don't we? Well, I told a promise, but my fingers were crossed. We've got to get out of that childish, selfish pattern of manipulating the truth for our own purposes and get into a habit of continually, constantly telling truth, speaking truth. That doesn't mean we get rid of all tact. When someone asks how that dress looks or that makeup looks, you might want to use a dose of tact with your truth. But you and I need to speak truth. Yes. No. Not, I swear, I promise, I mean it this time. Yes. I will do it. Yes, that is what happened. No. I know it's the South and I'm supposed to be nice and I'm supposed to pretend I'll do something really when I won't, but I'm going to be honest and say no. I can't do that for you, rather than say yes, all sweet and nice and kindly, when I never intend to do it. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. You know how much more simple that makes life? When you don't have to remember how you said it, and how you plan to get out of it, and how you're going to explain when you don't come through, you simply speak truth. James said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. He wanted to remind us, remember last week, one of those four pictures we looked at was a judge at the door, ready to come in, ready to pronounce sentence, ready to evaluate what we've done in our lives. And James says, not only because it makes your life simpler, not only because you'll have a better reputation and better relationships with people, but also because the Father in heaven, as the words of, the, of that uh, song for kids says, the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little lips, how you speak. God is watching. It's interesting, there is an alt- alternate... Uh, uh, translation that some scholars say that could also be translated instead of fall into judgment, fall into hypocrisy. And that's it too. If we don't speak truth, two things that are absolutely vital for God's plan for the church are not going to happen. Number one, if you and I don't learn to speak truth, yes be yes and no be no, the Christian community that God has designed is never going to happen. You see, James is going to go on in a few verses down, and we're going to look at this in the next couple weeks, and he's going to say, confess your sins to one another. But if you can't trust other people in your church, do you think you're ever going to learn to share with them and to say, hey, I'm struggling with this, I need prayer, if you can't trust them? Are you really going to ask for prayer? Are you really going to get close to them and live in Christian community if you cannot trust them? That's why James says, above all, 
But there's another uh, equally important thing, and that is that the gospel truth, the truth of the gospel, will not be believed if it comes from a people who aren't truthful. If the world looks at the church and they say, well, they talk a good game, they dress up nice on Sundays, they do a lot of religious stuff, but they lie, cheat, and steal just as much as anybody else out there. When we speak the words of of the gospel that are words of life, they don't hear those words. Their lives aren't changed. They don't receive Christ because they've seen all the other words that have come through these lips. And they say, I'm not buying it. They say, oh, this time I'm telling the truth. This time this is God's word. This time you really need to listen. And they say, no. We've heard enough from you. We know how you talk. We know how you tell tales. I don't buy it. You and I are to be people of truth. So today, third Sunday in Lent, let go of swearing, pinky promising, making vows, making oaths, saying, I really mean it this time, learning, trying to deceive people through technicalities. God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I'm going to be a person of truth when I'm speaking the gospel, but when, also when I'm talking to my neighbor. When I'm filling out my resume, or I'm filling out my form for the IRS. Whatever, whenever, whoever I'm talking to, I'm speaking about, I'm a person of truth because our Father is the Father of truth. Our Savior is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're going to follow Him, then you and I will be men and women of truth. Pray with me. God, it's hard to get real excited about truth. It's not like reading about your grace and your mercy and your love and and your giving nature and all those things we look at and we we see and and we receive and, and we love those things. But God, sometimes when it talks about truth, that can, that can strike us as cold. We don't understand how personal it is. But Father, if truth wasn't important, Lord, we wouldn't be able to trust you. And God, just as we trust you, because you live in us, your spirit abides in us. Father, we ask that you would guide us into ways of truth. God, that our relationships with our children, with our parents, with our spouses, with our friends, with our coworkers, our bosses, and our employees, with anyone we come into contact with. God, even though it's hard, even though it's costly, we'll speak truth because it's more costly in the long run 
to speak lies. Lord, help us to have our yes be yes and our no be no. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.